Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. So glad to be back at Life Center. Come on. Woo! Some of you are confused. Who is that guy up there? This is Tyler with a sabbatical stash. So uh, it, it might stick around. It might not. I don't know. We'll see. Amber's praying that it'll be gone by tomorrow. So um, it, is, it is so good to see you today. Glad that you're with us. Uh, I, I have a message for us that I really believe that God has put on my heart for us as a church community in this season. Uh, Really quick, I I do want to just say thank you uh, to those who preached while I was away. Aren't you thankful for the guest speakers we had that came in? Um, Man, they just, they loved Life Center. They loved being with you. And I'm thankful to have friends who come and invest in us as a church community. Some people wonder, Tyler, why did you go away? Is, is, here was the number one question. Is everything okay? I mean, what, what's going on? Is Tyler coming back? Yes! And, and, and here's what I want you to understand. Listen, the reason why I would take sabbatical is because I want to be the healthiest strongest pastor and leader I can be for the long term for Life Center, not just the short term, okay? So understand, it. I didn't take a sabbatical because there was crisis or something was wrong. I did it because I want to be recharged and refreshed and renewed so that I can help lead this church community in where Jesus is calling us to go to the best of my ability. So, so thankful for our team, our staff. You know, today we, we begin a brand new collection of messages that we are entitling Rhythms. Can you say Rhythms? We're going to be talking about Rhythms. And uh, how many of you, you've been a part of Life Center for over two years? Let me see a hand really quick. You've been a part of Life Center. How many of you, you're new to the Life Center family in the last couple of years? Come on. Lots of people. Yeah, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're with us. For those who have been with us for a while, a couple of summers ago, I actually did a series of messages that we entitled Rhythms. This is going to be Rhythms 2.0. A couple of summers ago, I talked about two important rhythms that we see in Scripture, the rhythm of rest and the rhythm of running. And today, we begin this kind of Rhythms 2.0. We're going to be spending some time in the book of Psalms over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about some important rhythms that are available to us as followers of Jesus. And we're going to find our anchor in these next number of weeks, in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 28 through 30. And today, I want us to consider the words in a paraphrased version called The Message. It's by Eugene Peterson. He translated the words or paraphrased the words of Jesus in this way. Look with me. He says this, are you tired? Anybody fall into that category? Worn out, burned out on religion. Listen to Jesus' solution. I love these three words. 
come to me. Listen, today there's some people you're watching from home and, and you are tired, you're worn out, you're burned out. You've, you've been on the hamster wheel of life. Others here today, we are putting one step in front of the other and it seems like no matter how hard or how fast or how frantic we run, it seems like we never get anywhere, but we are getting nowhere fast. And Jesus he says the solution is to come to him. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Can you say work? We're going to come back to that in a moment. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. This is this next verse. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Another translation you may be familiar with says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That idea of a yoke, Jesus isn't calling us to actually pick up a, an, an oxen's yoke and, and walk with him. A yoke was a rabbi's core central teaching. And he's saying the core central teaching that I'm providing for you, it's actually easy and light. It's not ill-fitting. He goes on. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, how many of us would say, sign me up? I I'm ready for that. But, but here's the tension. Some of us, we've been following Jesus a long time, and those words, they feel like a nice dream, but never a real reality. And my prayer is that God, in his grace over these next couple of, of weeks, he will shrink the gap between those two dynamics that it will become real for each and every one of us. See, rhythms matter. Here's why. Rhythms are the regular and reoccurring patterns that we embrace that make up the journey of life. You're, you're thankful at some level for rhythms, whether you recognize it or not. Aren't you thankful that the people around you, they had a rhythm of brushing their teeth? Come on, can you say Amen. Aren't you thankful that you have a rhythm every day where you go to sleep and then there's another rhythm where you wake up? If you don't wake up, you're not going to say amen, right? There, there are rhythms that we experience in this journey called life. And for me, sabbatical was just that. It, it's a rhythm. It's, it's putting me in a place to break out of my normal rhythms and allow Jesus to disrupt what he needs to disrupt. One of the moments of my sabbatical, I took a, a few different days where I spent the day in solitude and silence. Now all my introverts in the room are like, sign me up. And all the extroverts are like, that sounds like the apocalypse, right? You, you don't want to go anywhere near that. But for me, there's something important about breaking my normal rhythm. So I woke up one day and I decided I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive across the Narrows Bridge. I'm going to go up to uh, swim and just keep going on the Olympic Peninsula. Now, let me be clear. When, when I started my sabbatical, the last day of June, I walked into Heather, my assistant's office. I handed her my computer and my iPhone. 
Some of you just broke out in a nervous sweat right there. <laughs> Stop living vicariously through me, okay? Like I, I literally handed my, my iPhone to her and I spent 31 days with a flip phone. All that thing did was call and I could reply yes or no because I had to remember how to text with buttons. Anybody remember how to text with buttons? T9, baby. I mean, it. no thank you. But I spent 31 days. Now, I head out on this journey and understand this. I'm going on this journey. I don't have GPS. My radio does not even turn on all day. When I say all day solitude and silence, the radio never came on. Just driving, me and Jesus. I make my way up to swim and go see the Dungeness spit. It's a big spit. And then went to Port Angeles, had a bite of lunch, kept going into Olympic National Park, drove past Lake Crescent. It was beautiful. They just happened to be striping the road that day. So Jesus is teaching me patience. It's like, no radio. No GPS, me and the trees and line of cars and keep going and go to Forks. Heard there's vampires out there. So went to Forks and I, I went all the way out to the coast. I went to this place called La Push. How many of you have been to, you've been to La Push? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? You're like, La what? Um, you don't end up in La Push on accident. You have to intentionally go there. And so after hours and hours of driving, I make my way to La Push. I knew that's where I was supposed to go. And I wanted to just spend time with Jesus and the beauty of creation. I hike down this trail. I walk out onto this beach and it's the Pacific Ocean and these incredible rock formations coming up out of the water. And I am just blown away by the beauty. And I start walking down the beach, and I walk about a mile down the beach and turn around and start walking back. And, and I look down, and on the sand, there's a rock that catches my eye. And I, I pick it up, and I, I kind of push the sand off of it, put it in the water, kind of clean it off. And I look at it, and I said, man, that is a cool-looking rock. It's, it's gray. It's got some white on the top and some white veins going through it. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself in that moment... Man, I can't wait to show my kids this. They'll think that's cool. But little did I know that it was actually for me. It's for me to hang on to. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. You see, the rhythms that we embrace in life, they'll either build toward or they will break down the full life that Jesus desires to offer each and every one of us. The rhythms that, that you engage in, the rhythms that you embrace, they are either building you towards or they are breaking down your ability to experience, to walk in the life to the full that's only available in Jesus. And so the question that I want us to consider over the next couple of moments is this, are our the rhythms that you have in your life, are they leading you to where you want to go? 
See, I would hate for any one of us to get to the end of our journey to realize that we just simply stayed on the hamster wheel and we never made progress to where God is actually wanting us to get to. We were busy. We spent a lot of energy. We did a lot of stuff. But we didn't get to where God was actually leading us. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. So one of the rhythms that, that I want to lean into is this rhythm called repentance. Can you say repentance? Now, some of you, you're just going, not today. Are you kidding me? Not, seriously? Tyler, you're gone, and like the first thing you're going to show up with is repentance? Yep. Look with me to Psalm chapter 51. For those who are maybe new to scripture, Psalm is in the middle of your Bible. It's a book of poetry. In Psalm 51, the background of it, it was written by a man named David who was king of Israel. But David, he, even though scripture says he was a man after God's own heart, David had some issues. Anybody know somebody? He had some issues. And David, he, he writes these words, and really Psalm 51, what is it? it? It's a psalm of repentance. See, David, he, he made a mistake. Some of us, when we make a mistake, you know, we, we use some, some language. We, we use some sign language on I-5 with somebody who cut us off. I know you're watching today. It's okay. There's going to be an altar call a little bit later. But, but when we mess up, it looks like that. When David messed up, he slept with a woman who was not his wife. He wanted to cover it up, so he got her husband drunk. That didn't work. Sent him to the front of the battle lines, had the army withdraw, so he was murdered. And then David tried to cover up the whole thing. And some of you are right now going, well, Tyler, that isn't me, so this message isn't for me. Listen to David's words. Psalm 51, verse 3. For I am conscious. Can you say conscious? There's something about becoming aware of what God already knows. There's no thought you've ever thought about. There's no action you've ever engaged in that God is unaware of. But the journey of repentance starts at becoming conscious or, or aware. David says, for I'm conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you're right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Understand this. We don't just sin because we are bad people. We sin because we have a fallen nature. Goes on. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me. Come on, can you say purify me? Purify Purify me with hyssop. What's that? 
Well, it was a plant that the priests in the Old Testament would would wind together and they would dip it in water and sprinkle somebody to represent the washing and the purification of God in his redemptive work. So he's praying, God, would you purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. Look at verse 10. God, create. Will you say create? Create. Same word that's used in Genesis chapter one, verse one, where God speaks something out of nothing. God, would you create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me? Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. God, would you do something fresh in me? Would you do something new? Because I become aware and and I don't want to stay at a distance. I want to be as close to you as I See, in this psalm, we we see this journey, this pattern of repentance being lived out in front of us. It starts with recognition, but it moves to restoration so that ultimately we can experience this thing called rest. But we'll never rest unless there's restoration. And there'll never be restoration unless we're willing to recognize. And this is the journey that that David walks down. And here's what we need to be aware of. We must be aware of that repentance is a gift that works. And some of you, when I said repentance is a gift, you're like, what type of gift is that? Think about it for a second. Repentance is a gift. Some of us, we don't see it that way. Why? Because Tyler, if I have to repent of something, that means I did something Wrong, And if I did something wrong, then I'm going to feel bad. And if I feel bad, that's not good. And if that's not good, I don't want it. But understand, repentance is a gift. Why? Because there is a good, all-powerful, holy, all-existing God who looks at you and he welcomes you to recognize what you need to recognize so that he can restore what needs to be restored. Why? So that you can come to a place of rest in your life. Repentance is a gift that works. The tension here, though, is the reason why repentance works is because it requires some work. There's some stuff that we have to engage in. Understand, repentance isn't just feeling bad for sin. It's not just sitting in a place of shame. It's not just staying in this place of of admission of fault, though that's where it starts. It's a commitment, though, to something greater. It's a rhythm that, that God in his grace, he, he gives us. And some of us, we, when we think about the word repentance, we, we create this false synonym, regret. But regret is not the same as repentance. How many of you, you've, At times, you've been sorry for something. You regretted something, but you still didn't change. 
just scratching my back here really quick. We see this, right, with, with people that we work with, or for those of you who have kids, you see it in them where, where they get caught and they're sorry. But they're not sorry that they did it, they're sorry that they got caught and there might be some consequences. That is regret. Re- regret and repentance are not the same thing. And understand, hear me clear, it's not just about feeling sorry. It's not about sitting in a place of shame. It's not about heaping up or loading up guilt on people. See, so, some of us, maybe, maybe we're here today, we're watching online, and we go, well, why are we talking about this, man? I got, I got enough guilt. I got enough stuff going on. Tyler, the last thing I need is some religion thrown in my face that's going to heap up some more guilt on me. This is not about guilt, friends. This is about the goodness of God. Because repentance is a gift. What does that word repentance actually mean? Well, it's really two things. One, repentance means that there is a change in direction. Come on, can you say direction? In other words, what, what repentance means is I was going one way. I was walking, I was pursuing, I was moving, I was motivated by this. And all of a sudden, I, I stand up by God's grace and I do an about face and I begin to walk in a new direction. So that's part of repentance. It's, it's a new direction. Understand, repentance isn't about us feeling sorry for ourselves. Oh, I'm just such a miserable person. I don't know why God would ever love somebody like me. That's, that's not the point of repentance. Why? Because you can stay in that place of shame and guilt and still never turn around. That's not the point to just, to just stay in that place. And for those of you who have been loaded up, understand, with, with shame or guilt or condemnation, maybe you've experienced religion, but you've never experienced the grace of Jesus. Because the grace of Jesus will meet you right where you're at on the path that you're walking down. But his grace is so good that he will turn you around and give you the power to keep moving in a new direction. So yes, number one, repentance is a change of direction, but it's also more than that. Hear me clearly. It's also a change in connection. I need a change not just in the direction, I also need a change in connection because if I do an about face and start walking in a new direction, but I don't also change the motivations of my heart and my mind, Guess what? I'm not doing a 180 for Jesus. I'll just be doing a 360 for Jesus. You ever seen that? Like, thank you, Jesus. Right back at it. It's a change in connection. It's a change in the motivations. Not not just what we do, but why we do what we do. You see, I've met a lot of people, and I've experienced in my own life, times where I've made an about face. I changed the externals, but I didn't allow God and his grace to change the internals. There was no change of connection. See, today, with this in mind, and those of you who are praying people, you better pray because, well, the time doesn't matter. But three thoughts on repentance. Number one is this. You can't repent of what you refuse to recognize. It's It's impossible for you to repent of something that you refuse to recognize. That's why David says, I acknowledge 
my sin. I, I get it. I, I see it. So many people, they're stuck in patterns, not because God's grace isn't big enough, but because they refuse to simply recognize what needs to be recognized in their life. In Revelation chapter 2, John, as he receives this revelation from Jesus, he writes the words of Jesus that is supposed to be distributed to seven churches during the first century church. One of those churches is the church at Ephesus. And listen to what Jesus says to this church. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. How many know so far the list looks pretty good? You've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary. Man, on all accounts, it looks like this church is doing exactly what it needs to do. I mean, some of us, this, these last 18 months, we, we persevered. We, we've tried to not grow weary in doing good as, as God continues to lead us forward. But then Jesus says this, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. What is that? It's, it's the breaking of the greatest commandment. Love God, love people. So you're, you're doing all the right externals, but, but Jesus in his grace, he's calling out and he's saying, I need you to recognize something. You're doing a lot of good work. There's a lot of good externals. But what matters to me is the love that you live with and lead with. And friends, you've abandoned that first love, Jesus says. So remember how far you've fallen. And he uses this word that some of us consider a bad word, but it's actually a good word. He says, repent. Now, now on that note, understand, remember who Jesus is speaking to. He's not speaking to pagans. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to his church. Some of us, we look at the idea of repentance and go, Tyler, I already did that. I already put my trust in Jesus. I already said yes to him. I already prayed the prayer. I'm good. And I would say, praise God. I'm glad you're good. What is it that God is revealing to you now? What is it that he's inviting you to recognize that you can turn away from that so that you can be a little bit closer, experience that intimacy with Jesus like he so desires you to experience? He says, repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Can I remind you that this is why time alone with the Holy Spirit is so important? I'm thankful each and every one of you, you're taking time to be here today, right now, in this moment. But, but if this is the only space in your week where you're creating margin for God to reveal some things to you, I tell you, you're missing incredible, incredible opportunities. You see, even Jesus, when his disciples come to him and they say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? He taught his disciples to pray this way. God, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So repentance isn't just a one-time act. It's not just something that outsiders do to get inside. No, no, no. Repentance is a rhythm. It's a gift. 
Here's the potential danger, though, this morning. We look at Psalm 51 and we go, well, man, compared to David, I'm doing pretty good, Tyler. I, I don't really have, like, I haven't murdered anybody recently. Um, haven't, you know, we, we, we quantify and we are the ones who categorize sin. So some of us, we, we feel guilt and shame and all this condemnation right now because we have done, like, one of those big sins. We're like, oh. Great, Tyler's talking about repentance. And others of us, we, we look at what we do and we go, not a big deal. Can I remind us, this is such a danger for those of us who have been following Jesus for a while, that, that the very thing that God once rescued us out of, how quickly we can become annoyed with in others. It's amazing how, how we lose our, our patience and, and grace for others who are on the same journey that we once were on, but now we've arrived. See, repentance breaks that pride down. It removes that spirit. You see, the issue today, it's not the size of our sin, it's the sensitivity of our heart. That's what God wants to do. God wants to recalibrate. He wants to restore that sensitivity. Why? Because if we don't recognize Friends, we'll never repent. We'll never repent. Repentance, it's, it's an important rhythm, not because of the massive failures, but friends, the countless little issues that show up just with our own human condition that we live with. See, we need to understand when it comes to sin, although we create categories, sin is not just the bad things we've done. It's also the good things we didn't do. How many know that changes the game? There, there's sins of commission. In other words, the things that we did that we shouldn't have done. We've all done that. But there's also the sins of omission. In other words, the good things that we neglected to do. And unless we create this space where we become aware, friends, we'll never walk in this rhythm of repentance. I say this to our staff from time to time. There's no fix for what we're unwilling to face. And some of us, our marriages could begin to get healthy and strong if we were willing to just face the reality we need to face. But some of us, we'd, we'd rather just avoid the conflict. Some of us, we just want to kind of medicate the reality. We want to plug our ears. We want to have the, the orchestra on the deck of the Titanic just continue to play us music. Friends, God has so much more for us. God has so much more for us. This is part of the work of repentance is I have to get myself in a place where the Holy Spirit can speak to my ears, speak to my heart. I have to silence the distractions around. I need to get away from my phone long enough to create space. What about you? Where God has your attention. Because we'll never repent of what we're unwilling to recognize. We'll never repent of what we're unwilling to recognize. Remember this, grace isn't opposed to working. Grace is opposed to earning. Yeah. Two different realities. 
So I'm not preaching some some works-based salvation here. No, 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 no. We're not trying to earn our salvation. We have God's salvation by a free gift, but part of working out our salvation is getting our hearts in a place where we say, God, is there anything in me that needs to be changed? That attitude that we continue to give our spouse, those sharp responses that we give our children just because we're tired and and we want them to run around and do what, what we want. The way that we talk about our coworkers. The prayer requests that we share about others. By the way, for those who are new to the church, that just means gossip, but we label them as prayer requests. So maybe for another church on another day. Okay, second, second thing about repentance. Number two, you can't restore what you refuse to repent of. I'll never repent of something if I'm unwilling to recognize, but once I recognize it, understand, if I'm unwilling to repent, I can't actually experience restoration. I can't experience restoration. First John chapter 1 says it this way, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, in other words, we repent, he is what? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us In other words, to restore us, he's cleansing us from all unrighteousness. This is both the hope and the point of repentance. And what is that? That God is a restoring God. You might be looking at your marriage right now. You might be looking at your finances right now. You might be looking at a lot of different things in your life going, Tyler, it's beyond the point of hope. And I'm asking you, God is big enough still, isn't he? Maybe the challenge that you have to getting to restoration is this exercise, this rhythm called repentance. To lay our hearts bare before the Lord. Say, God, point out. Point out what needs to change. You see, too much of this life to the full that Jesus only offers, too much of that gets eaten up and destroyed simply because we refuse to move towards restoration. We hold on to the pain. We hold on to the frustration. We hold on, we, we hold on to our failure. And now, now it's not just something we did, it's who we are. Let me be really clear right now. There's some people, you have created your identity around your failures. And I want to remind you, you are not your failures. You may be failed, but you are not a failure. But here's the tension. It can be easy to want the fruit of restoration. It can be easy to want the fruit of reconciliation without the plowing of repentance. Some of us, we, we want to just pray the prayer and like, let's just make everything better. But if we're unwilling to repent, if we're unwilling to, to own what we need to own, recognize what we need to recognize, bring that before the Lord and do a about face, friends, we're going to miss what God has for us. There's a lot of people that they want quick fruit. We want a coupon for restoration. We want a coupon for reconciliation. Like, hey, we just had a conversation. We're all good, right? And yet the reality is sometimes in order to experience the fruit of reconciliation, it requires the hard plowing of repentance. Breaking up that ground. 
This is a challenge for us, especially in Western culture. Why? Because we have such an individualistic view of responsibility. But understand, listen, I believe that some marriages, some relationships, some, some of the divisions and divides in our world, in our society, in our culture right now, a lot of people are, are crying out, hey, hey, we want, we want the fruit of reconciliation. But are we willing to do the work of getting behind the plow of repentance? I look at our nation and for the 42 years that I've been breathing oxygen on this planet, I feel like this is the most divided our nation has ever been in my lifetime. There's a lot of people going, well, let's just get back to, let's just get all, you know, everybody over it. It's all good. Well, maybe, just maybe, if we want to get the fruit, we're going to have to do some of the plowing. See, again, in, in our context, we, we have this very individualized view. Well, I didn't, I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. But both in the Old and the New Testament times, there's this collective expression of repentance. Not because the individual did something, but the people group that you are connected to needs to repent so that things can be restored. Here's a third thought. Repentance, it leads us to this place called rest. See, if, if I refuse to recognize, there's no hope for reconciliation or restoration. And without restoration, here's what I've grown to know. I'll never actually be at a place of rest in my life. But God wants to invite us into his rest. That's, that's the point. That's the point. Psalm 32, really quickly. Brandon's going to come, and we're going to wrap this up in just a moment. Psalm 32 was written after Psalm 51. This is David's response to what it feels like to be forgiven. Listen to his words. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Come on, anybody know that feeling? Anybody remember what it was like to, to have your debt paid, to have your sin canceled, to know that you've been set free? David is a man who, who did the, the unthinkable and he failed in incredible ways for generations and generations. Could you imagine your worst sin being put down in a book that somebody's preaching about all these years later? And yet, on the other side of God's restoration, listen to what he says. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. Listen to this. When I kept silent. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. Allow me to paraphrase. God, there was no rest when I just kept it to myself. God, no matter where I went, night or day, and, and some of us, we are on this hamster wheel wondering when will change ever come? Can my life ever get different? Can I ever break free of this addiction? Can I ever get out of this habit? My answer to you is yes, but it's only through Jesus and his grace. 
And if you're unwilling to recognize, friends, you'll never experience that restoration. And if you never experience that restoration, your soul will never come to that place of rest. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then, (laughs) aren't you thankful for then moments? Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. David made a massive mistake and yet God's grace was enough to meet him in that mess. And all of a sudden he was turned into this joyful expression. Why? Because he was at rest in the hand of God's grace. He was at rest. You see, we look at this, and I go back to Jesus' words that we began with in Matthew chapter 11. Are you worn out? Are you tired? Life Center, are you, are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burnt out on religion? Then do these three words, come to Jesus. Come to him. Acknowledge what you need to acknowledge. Here's here's why we have a good father. No matter the greatness of need, listen, the greatness of God's ability is greater. Repentance is never an exercise for you to sit and dwell on how much of a mess you are. That's why some of us, we avoid it. Because, well, I don't want to have to deal with how screwed up I actually am. Listen, everybody who's breathing at some level, is screwed up. Don't be offended. Just read your Bible. You'll agree. At some level, at some level, we're all working through stuff. Amen? Life Center is not a place for perfect people. That's why this rhythm of repentance matters. See, it's not about sinning and dwelling on how big of a failure you are. Here's what repentance does. We, we exercise, we remember, we recenter our lives on how big and good our God is. That's what repentance is really all about. So I was on the beach. Some of you were wondering if I was going to come back to this. I was on the beach, and one of the things you need to know about me as your pastor is I value productivity. Anybody else, that's like one of your spiritual gifts. You're like, I I just want to get something done. See my leg shaking? That's like, Some of you are like, Tyler, I just want you to get this message done. That's a different productivity. Okay, stop. Stop. pick up this rock, and I began my conversation with the Lord. I said, okay, God, I, I drove all the way out to La Push. La Push. I don't even have GPS. I just, some, I, I followed road signs. Who does that? I'm in La Push. God, I don't end up here on accident. I'm, I'm here because I want to hear from you. God, what do you want to speak to me? My, my, my ears are open. I'm ready. I, I, I want to hear from you. In that moment, 
I sensed the still, small whisper, the sweet whisper. If you've ever experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sweet whisper of Jesus. He says this, Tyler, isn't being with me enough? Tyler, it isn't, isn't just being with me enough? And the Lord began to deal with me in that moment because how often do I, do I come to the Lord and yet it's always about me getting something from him? And the, the motive is, is right. I, God, I, I need to hear from you. Why? Because you've entrusted me to be the pastor to this incredible group of people. And I, I want to feed them. I want to equip them. I want to resource them. God, I want our church to be healthy. I want to be the husband and the dad that you've called and created me to be. God, I need you to speak to me. And yet Jesus catches me in my addiction to productivity and says, Tyler, maybe the productivity that you actually need is to remember that abiding in me is the point. Because John 15 still reads, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I realized in that moment that this rock, it wasn't actually for my kids. It was for me. And I got back in my car and I spent the next amount of time journaling and writing and repenting and the problem is I'm, I'm in the push, which means I got a long way to go to get home. No radio, no GPS. I didn't try to spiritualize it. Oh, I'm just going to listen to some worship music. No worship music. I began the drive south to Aberdeen and then back around Olympia. Yes, I drove around the entire Olympic Peninsula in one day. And I spent the next four hours of that drive repenting, rejoicing, worshiping Jesus. That little car became my sanctuary. See, repentance, it's not just about the things that we sometimes call big things. Friends, sometimes our, our lives just get a couple of degrees off and, and unless we quiet the noise, we don't come back to this place where God can capture our attention and bring us to that place of rest. Hear me clearly. There's some spouses in this room. You need to repent to your spouse. Maybe it's not a big thing. Maybe it's an attitude. You've been, you've been trying to wound them with your passive, aggressive attitude. You need to repent. Maybe some of you, you, you need to repent to your employer for, for not actually working when you said you were working. You need to repent. For some of us as parents, we, we need to repent to our children. Say, I'm, I'm sorry for the way that I've talked to you. I'm sorry for the way that I've gone after you with my words. Listen, there's some children in this room. Listen to me. Maybe you need to repent to your parents. There's something about this rhythm that it, as, as we follow Jesus, repentance isn't a bad thing, friends. It's a gift. It's a gift, but, but we'll never get there unless we're willing to recognize 
And once we recognize, friends, we, we can begin the process of God and his grace where he wants to restore. And as he restores, we come to this beautiful place of rest. Can I invite you to stand to your feet all across this place? Those who are watching online, would you stand to your feet as well? I told you it's dangerous when I'm gone for a few weeks. I, I, I preach a little bit longer than normal. But this is a, a holy moment right here. Because maybe right now this is your next step to simply just say, God, I recognize. Maybe the Lord's been just kind of pressing on that area in your life during this message. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit trying to invite you and welcome you into this place. Why? So we can do an about face. So we can take on a new direction and a new connection. Why? Because God wants to lead us to this place called rest. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus. Lord, you are so good and you are so faithful and we, we turn our attention to you. I know in our culture, in our society at large, we, we don't want to deal with doing something wrong because we, we have to wrestle through feelings of guilt or shame. But really, this isn't a moment about guilt or shame. It's, it's about the goodness of who you are, that you're a good God that, that wants to call us out of those places and patterns that keep us from experiencing the life to the full that you alone offer, Jesus. So God, we turn our ears to you. We, we open our hearts to you. God, would you speak to us? Would you meet us? Would you prepare us? God, I pray for husbands that need to talk to their wives or wives that need to talk to their husbands. And whether it's attitudes or words or actions, God, I pray healing in marriages in Jesus' name. Pray for relationships between parents and children, grandparents and grandchildren. God, that there would be repentance and even for children to, to have courageous conversations with their parents. God, that we would walk as free people, that we would experience the rhythms of grace that you invite us into. But God, let us start at recognizing. Lord, would you create in us clean hearts? God, not just the things that we've done wrong, but even as a, as a church community. God, forgive us of the good that we should have been doing all along that we haven't been doing. God, I pray that we would be the people that you've called and created us to be. Listen, before we go today, maybe it's your desire to put your trust in Jesus. You want to know that you're forgiven. You want to know that you're free. You want to leave this moment different than the way you came in. If that's you, I want to invite you to say this simple prayer with me. Would you pray with all of us as we say this prayer? But for those of you who you're making that decision, would you pray this with us? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate those who are making that decision? Listen, if you, if you made that decision today, we would love to connect with you. You can open up the Life Center app, scan this QR code, check the box. I said yes to Jesus. Listen, I want to send us out on assignment. Invite somebody to be with you next weekend. Next weekend, I can't guarantee you, but it will be shorter, I promise. Uh, would love to see you next weekend. You're sent on assignment because we don't just go to church. We, we are the church. So let's go and be the church this week. God bless. We'll see you soon.